The Baby Lambs podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Baby Lambs Podcast. This is episode 104. I can't even believe it. I can't even stand it. So the day that we're recording this is the Tuesday. Well, really, it's the day before it releases, but it's the Tuesday after Comic-Con, which was a whole lot of fun. I hope that you guys were following all of Lissette's shenanigans on our Instagram. She posted quite a bit of her stories there. She got to meet a whole bunch of different celebrities and attend a lot of really great panels. But she came in pretty late last night, so she's taken a little break on this on today's episode, which felt like a great opportunity to bring back an old favorite, the love of my life. Oh, Lisette would be so hurt to hear this. <laughs> the, the, the clam to my oyster. I don't know. Um, my husband, Gabe, say hi. Hello. So we <laughs> thought that today could be a good day for us to discuss the remake of The Lion King. We both took the we both watched it this weekend, and we definitely do have some thoughts. So if you have seen, I hope that you've seen The Lion King. If you haven't seen The Lion King, um, you know, that's on you. you have, you've had like 20 plus years to get it going. Um, but we are going to be discussing some of the differences, similarities within the new, uh, the new remastered version. Um, and, you know, so like, I don't know if you want to watch the new version before you listen to this. I don't think it makes any difference. Do you think it makes a difference, honey? I I actually believe that it may make a difference. It's depending on how hardcore of a fan you truly are. Okay. Which is going to determine whether or not if you want to hear the rest of this. Okay. I mean, well, I, I guess with that said, you guys make your choice. <laughs> Either way, this is our review of The Lion King, uh, the 2019 release as directed by Jon Favreau. As uh, from what the he he's directed a bunch of stuff. He had directed Iron Man. He directed like Iron Man one, two, and stuff. I I know John Favreau as Courtney Cox's boyfriend on Friends, who is a billionaire and he later becomes a boxer. Okay. And I remember him from Swingers with Vince Vaughn. Have you ever seen Swingers? I. Have, but it's been a while. Okay, well, I love swingers, <laughs> but yeah. So he directed this. He had, uh, he, but he also started by directing he, uh, his first Disney feature. Well, that's not true. I mean, yeah, because being a part of the Marvel universe, <laughs> it's it's Disney. Yeah, uh, but he also directed the Jungle Book, the remastered Jungle Book, right? Yeah, that was released a few years ago. Yep, that was actually released in two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen, cool. 
So Gabe has been working diligently on what is essentially a research paper on The Lion King. And I am here to support it. I hope that you are, too. So, honey, share with us some of your findings that you feel are important to note with regards to this new version of The Lion King. Well, like how you mentioned, regarding the Jungle Book, Disney saw a huge profit on doing a live-action adaptation, obviously using CGI uh, for all of that, and seeing a huge profit coming back from the Jungle Book. So when James Favreau decided to actually... John Favreau? John Favreau, excuse me. You think James Franco? Yep, thinking of (laughs) two different people. Uh, uh, John Favreau actually approaching Disney about wanting to do a live action uh, remake of the of the Lion King they didn't really think twice they obviously gave him a huge budget um, and the star-studded cast is what really is like pushing this movie um, and getting people into those seats there is a lot of backlash on it being a live action adaptation, but in reality, you're getting what you're seeing in the trailer. Yeah, there. I know that I've, I've definitely heard the criticism where people are concerned that the emotional, <laughs> like facial features, are missing because basically, if I if and correct me if I'm wrong, when John Favreau approached Disney mm-hmm. about the remake, he, he part of his pitch was sort of creating a uh, a Lion King in the fashion of a documentary like like Perhaps. um like like Nat Geo Wild style. Yeah, um, and also taking into account that pretty much every single year for I think it's been the last 3 or 4 years Disney Nature every single year has been releasing a documentary yeah. on a specific type of animal. True. Uh, so this so, sort of goes hand in hand with that like whole like planet series and stuff that they're that they have been working so closely on that's true even though they didn't use any real animals at all for this feature right which is pretty remarkable when you watch it because i mean i'm sure if you've all watched the trailer it's it's an intense like collection of really real looking animals in a very real looking pride rock. It's just crazy to think how back in the days where everything was being hand drawn like during Bambi in particular Walt uh, got actual deer to come into the studio where people would make their renderings and use that as references because obviously they didn't have the internet mm-hmm. like how we have today and now all we pretty much like have we're spoiled in the sense that technology has gotten to a point where we could see what we're watching on the big screen and sometimes have a hard time being able to tell the difference of whether if it's real or if it's uh, CGI that's true and that's and and to that point, I believe Walt also brought a real lion yep. to the animation studio when they were when they were animating the first Lion King. Yeah. Why are you? Why? Huh? Why are you giving me hand gestures? You know this is a podcast, right? 
It's true, though. Oh, Walt, I'm sorry. He passed away at the time. <laughs> Whatever. Walt Disney Studios brought in animator. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to see him. I wish we were recording him. He's literally looking at me with, like, the Walt's dead. And I'm here in my head like, I know. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, okay, whatever. The point is, oh, God, now here comes the other one. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> what? What can you? Oh, are you yelling at me because Walt is dead, too? Jesus, like father, like daughter over here. Come here, mommy. Come here. Come here. You know, what would be an episode of the Baby Lambs if we didn't have dogs barking in the background, really? Um, all right, so Walt is dead, and he, but somebody brought in a lion for the first, uh, for the first version of The Lion King. I know that well, for a fact. Okay, well, okay. All right, crisis averted. Please so. continue. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously there's uh, going to be a lot of similarities. And it is, in a way, a lot of uh, scene-for-scene shot uh, from the original. Mm-hmm. However, there are some differences. Um, and also, they do fix a lot of some of the plot holes that the original had. Yeah. Um, like, one thing in particular that I found out was, well, I already knew this, that The Lion King is loosely based off of ha- uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet. Yes. And Zazu's character being the head advisor to the king, he was Felonius. Mm-hmm. Uh, being played by John Oliver, and in uh, Shakespeare, in uh, in Hamlet, Felonius conspired and helped kill, uh, get the king killed. Mm-hmm. However, that's not the case in the Lion King, mm-hmm. and um, in the original, during the scene where Mufasa dies, being trampled by uh, by the, the wildebeest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which took three years yeah. to animate. Yeah. Walt was yeah. there, pen in hand, <laughs> drawing the <beliefs>. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I can see him now. Uh, Pencil to paper. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so, during the scene, so, with the world, when, yeah, when he gets so, trampled. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, in the original scene, um, Scar... Pretty much like knocks out Zazu, and he's he's pretty much like in the room when Mufasa dies. Right. But in this new live adaptation, uh, Scar rather than like hitting Zazu, he instructs him to go get help. Right. And that Scar was going to stay behind and help Mufasa. Obviously, that's not the case. And if right. you don't know that, then you've been living under a rock. <laughs> Pride uh, Rock. Pride Rock. It's shelter there. Get it? So, uh, another thing, too, is that uh, Zazu's character, he comes in and out uh, during Scar's reign. Obviously, for the fact that they're, the hyenas are overhunting, mm-hmm. and he is pretty much like their bait. They're just going to like attack him every single time, which that's another thing too. the hyenas. Um, They made a huge change in 
the hyenas for this new adaptation. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's still three hyenas, but it's more like there's two hyenas and there's one clear leader. Yes, they did do that, which came from inspiration brought by the Broadway show. Because, in in fact, the voice of that character, the voice of like the head, um, the head hyena is the it's Shenzi. Shenzi, yeah, the original. Um, she played the the voice of Shenzi in the movie is the same as the original Shenzi at the for Lion King the musical. Which her name is Florence Kasumba. Yes, it is. So it was really nice because, you know, in the original, you had the three hyenas and it was they were played by, um, you know, you had like Whoopi Goldberg was part of it. You had, uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking. And um, and Whoopi Goldberg is clearly the most level headed of the three because it was like Ed and whatever. And Ed was crazy. And then there was like the other guy, (laughs) the other hyena. And uh, but you didn't have like a clear leader of the hyenas. They kind of imply that the hyenas are being led in a way by Scar in the original movie. In the original movie, they're like, oh, we we do want to Scar. But in this one, the 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 like the split between the hyenas and the lions are so much more like deep rooted. Like you feel like these are literally like opposing kingdoms almost. It's not even so much that like the hyenas were part of like, they're not like just like, you know, these exonerate, not exonerated. Like they're not like these like separate animals to the kingdom. They, they literally are their own kingdom. Oh yeah. And it's mostly the fact that, um, there was a, another change in the new adaptation where it's still an elven graveyard, but the bones aren't as exaggerated where the hyenas are coming out of an elephant because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense for that. Right. Um, and regarding the hy- the other two hyenas being played by Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre, they were obviously the... Um, the like the comedic the com- relief of the yeah whole. the comedic relief but they were still very scary adaptations because <laughs> they still played these hungry hyenas that it's that they're just trying to survive yeah and uh, you know you're talking about a, uh, there's still a lot of them there's still quite a few hyenas i mean they're not clearly as many as what they had in the original film because they were drawn but you know, you do have this sense that not all, that these hyenas are there's enough of them that if you needed like considering how desolate the area is that they survive in, they are clearly starving and they have no problem. But they but they also don't care when Simba comes to visit because it's about not just eating for the sake of food, but you know, making a statement to Mufasa because, you know, they obviously are not able to, you know, partake in the riches that come from being part of the royal family. Which, speaking of Mufasa, uh, James Earl Jones reprised his role. Yes, he did. And uh, that's another huge reason why everyone should go and support this movie because the fact that he was able to reprise his role was amazing. Um... Also, the fact that we had Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner 
play Timon and Pumbaa. Yes, I did. And uh, that's another reason to go watch this movie. Along with, obviously, I already mentioned him before, but John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Played. And fantastic. We haven't even, and we haven't even talked about Scar, who was played by... Um, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I, I, it's not that I don't know his name. It's that I have a hard time. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. So what I posted a, a question on the Baby Lambs Instagram to get people's, you know, because I wanted to like touch base on some of your thoughts on the film. And there was definitely a lot of love for the for Timon and Pumbaa, that, which I totally agree. If you haven't, I mean, what I loved about their rendition of Timon and Pumbaa is that it was totally theirs, you know, like it had the same dynamics as the original. But they but definitely they, added to it. They added to it. It's very clearly very improvised, um, much like in the original, but it's very much like the marriage between Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, who are both fantastic co- uh, comedy artists, and they're just so cool. So there was a lot of love for that. There was love for the new Beyonce song because they, so Beyonce plays Nala as if the world didn't know this. And they, she did uh, contribute a song for the film. It is used in a, in a, in a, in a part of the film that you. It's during the scene where Simba's going back to Pride Rock. Yes. And she released a music video for it. It's called Spirit. And. Honestly, I think that the song was really nice. I think that it blended really well with the original orchestration because they did bring back uh, Tim Rice and Elton John to sort of, and as well as um, eh, Concho. Eh, oh my God, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Hans Zimmer, who felt that in the original production, that while the orchestration to the film is so beautiful in the first production, he had to use like digital instruments and stuff like that to like, because Lion King fell behind quite a bit in in production. So Hans Zimmer was like all about this production because he was like, oh, I can finally like, you know, replace the digital uh, contributions of the of the orchestra with real instruments and really spice it up, and they did a beautiful job. So one of the comments that that we received was about Scar. Okay. So I understand the argument. The argument being made here. So the person who is, who 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 contributed this, um, I wanted her to sort of expand a bit on her thoughts because she felt like Scar was essentially um, like misrepresented. Like he was sort of ruined by in this film. I disagree. But I, mm-hmm. I understand where she's coming from. Uh, basically, she, she felt like the because Jeremy Irons's version of Scar was almost a little like flamboyant in a way. He was a little sassier. He took a little bit more pleasure in the pain that he was producing, which makes Scar such a like easily demisable character to mm-hmm. us all, right? Because like he almost treated everyone as a plaything. It never really came down to like you don't think so? He was definitely more of a user in the first film, I feel. I just don't see the difference in in this one because he's doing all the right moves. No, the moves are there, yeah. but I feel like in the original movie, while he's angry at his situation, 
he his the approach that was taken with him was a little bit more like Ursula. Where Ursula's pissed, right, from The Little Mermaid. Ursula's pissed because she's been exiled from the kingdom. But she's a comedic and, like, a character overall, you know? Like, she she's sly and sneaky and wants to, like, stick it to Triton, which Scar wants to do to Mufasa. Of course, because he wants to be the, the rightful heir of Pride Rock. But, but that's the thing. It's not only just doing it to Mufasa... Because he knows that if he kills Mufasa, next person is Simba. It's to kill the two, yeah. Yeah. So he, it, so the argument is that he takes a little bit more pleasure in the pain that he's creating in the original, whereas in this one, he's it's very very dry, and it's kind of a little bit more intentional. I want to say, and I know that that uh, Chiwetel um, Ejiofor took a very Shakespearean approach to yeah, this I film. Agree. He was he took like a, a lot of the perspective that he took on this character came from the Shakespeare, um, the 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 Hamlet, and like basically a lot of like classical yeah, Shakespeare interpretation. Yeah, in particular, uh, the way that he presented "Be Prepared," um, mm-hmm. the lyrics are there. But it's more of a spoken word adaptation, and a lot of the lyrics are cut out from the original because the original had a lot of clarification as to how stupid the hyenas are. And in this one, he's trying to recruit the hyenas so not to pretty much insult them. He's just saying what he needs to say in the original song I agree without with insulting them. I agree, because in this film, the hyenas aren't necessarily stupid. Like, they're not, like, you know, just these hungry dogs. They're hungry dogs who are angry mm-hmm. that they're hungry. And they have a clear leader. And there's, you know, there's like some, there's like a hierarchy system there, even though they're just not given enough resources. Yeah, and that leader is definitely Shenzi. Obviously, before Scar came along. Well, even so, it, I felt like, like it, I felt like more that Shenzi was in in some ways more like the Captain Phasma mm-hmm. to to the Kylo Ren. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that the reason that be prepared in this film was a little bit more spoken was because he, I think, needed to work harder in this approach to the character to co- to recruit the hyenas because the in, the focus in the first film was I'm recruiting you to give you food okay it's in, in this case it's not only am I recruiting you to bring you food but I'm recruiting you for food to to give you food and to give you status mm-hmm. you know what i mean so when he go when he walks into the elephant graveyard in the original film there isn't this like fear that he's going to be attacked like the other lions were in a previous scene it feels like he's walking into a hyena den where they all hate fucking lions and he's walking in there like he owns this place but knowingly he knows that like i'm not i i'm not the person who like you don't you are automatically not going to trust me and he propositions them with an opportunity to join in on his shebang before then they don't know that scar is not any different than mufasa but in the original movie 
they know him as the antith- the antithesis, the end like the other, like the opposite of Mufasa, right? <laughs> Lala, why don't you agree? Okay, you come here, come here, honey, come here. She doesn't want to come here. All right, so we're back. All right, so we took a little break so we could take Leela out because she was uh, stress barking. Yeah, oh, yeah, now you're looking at me, right? Now you're looking at me. She's like, I don't do do nothing. I don't do nothing. It's fine. So back to what we were saying, the hyenas are, you know, they are different in this version of the film. And and I feel like it, 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 it translates a little bit into how Scar approaches them and the, uh, like, the eggshell part. Like, like he's already on unsteady ground with the hyenas, and it feels that way from the very beginning. So when he's when he betrays them at the end of the film, it feels a lot more vicious, this, this like, tearing apart that they do of him, just like they did in the original. Um, but I'll have to agree. I'll agree with with um, I'll agree with her there. Um, where it was like, it basically it it just it it, do, it does feel a little different. And be, and if you're a big fan of Be Prepared, like don't be upset. the The song is there. It's just not as, it's not a full fledged production like it was in the original. It feels very much like like he is like like giving a speech to. You know, he, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know what it kind of is? It's kind of like... And the same thing could be said about I Can't Wait to Be King, because the song is there, but there's not a full-fledged production where you're seeing an animal pyramid at the end of it. Well, obviously. But, like... <laughs> but it's very cute. What they end no, up no, doing with it is really very awesome cute. awesome, because, like, they still take the original concept and... Every single time that, um, like, as the song progresses, you find that specific animal alongside Simba or Nala. Mm-hmm. Uh, running or, like, just diving or just doing something, but they're right there next to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still, you know, very documentary style. It's just, I really, that's really what I enjoyed of, of, of the movie. Another really cool thing that started from the very beginning with the Circle of Life sequence, obviously it was a shot-for-shot remake, and I did some research, and I found out that the ants that are being shown, that are carrying little leaves, are very are in, not from that region. Mm-hmm. So, But they still kept it in the movie. Um, which those ants actually play a pivotal role in the movie later on, mm-hmm. where essentially it's the actual circle of life that basically in Rafiki, your- fi- Rafiki finds out that Simba's still alive because a piece of hair from his mane gets loose and gets eaten by a giraffe. That giraffe later on hoops out. The hair and a dung beetle starts rolling that little ball of poop <laughs> with the hair in it, falls over, it cracks, and then the hair starts flying out and it lands in Rafiki's uh, um, 
No, no. It, technically, it, it falls no, into the like, water. Yeah, and then a bird it, picks it up, and then the bird picks it up and puts it into its nest, and right. the mama bird is like, "This is too much hair, like patui," and throws that out, and then it makes its way to Rafiki. So because of the ants, because the ants pick it up on it on their on their little way, and end up. You know, Rafiki starts noticing, like, what the fuck is that? And then he's like, the king has returned. It's essentially the circle of life. And I love the yeah. fact that they they changed it up in that sense. But in the end, this movie has, like, an uphill battle. Because mm-hmm. everyone's such a huge, hardcore fan of the original that people are already making their... their spe- they're pretty much speculating before they even step foot into the theater. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's unfair because he did such an amazing job with the Jungle Book. And because of that, I was a huge believer in this movie. And it turned out to be awesome. I mean, Disney, I get it that lately they've been doing these whole live action adaptations. But in reality, they know that it's going to make them the money that they need to be that they're going to make. Not every movie is going to be a hit. Like, mm-hmm. Dumbo... Dumbo made its money, but it didn't... It's not going to make anywhere near what Endgame or what Lion King is making. Nor or should what it, because it was horrible. Or Mary Poppins. Uh, Colin Farrell, you did not need to be in that movie with one arm. <laughs> There's no reason for that. Colin uh, Farrell, are you listening, Colin? You listening? Oh, my God. Don't listen to the directors. Tell them, I don't need one arm. I need both my arms. And I love Tim Burton. And maybe Burton. I should have a I different accent, huh? I love Tim Burton, but I feel that that one was a questionable... Uh, Tim Burton. I We're like Tim gonna, Burton. That's a, that's that's a whole other conversation. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. Tim Burton. But, you know, like some things, I'm like, whatever. The point is, um, I look, I get it. I get why people are like, come up with something original. And they are. There's a lot of original stuff coming out. But I do think that there's something to be said about bringing back these classics in a way i think a it's a smart move and b it's important for for us to have something that we can continue to share with our kids and yes of course we can always show them the originals and we still should show them the originals but i really appreciated having this film to make me feel like i was re-watching the lion king for the first time you know what i mean like it didn't feel like a completely different movie because it is very very closely shot and closely um you know like matched to the original but excuse me but it made me feel excited to recognize stuff and to see the differences because yeah it's a film that i've seen a million times um and i i i felt just as affected like when like i felt more effective i think when Mufasa died this time, um, because you're seeing like what looks like an actual animal fall from a high space. And I don't know. There was just crazy thing about that is that uh, not only did Scar latch onto Mufasa's arms and launch him, but he also gave him one him. one other hit straight to the face right before right before he obviously died. But man, that was. Uh, yeah, no, it felt pretty vicious. Like, everything felt, like, a lot more, almost kind of, like, a lot more scary because they looked like real animals. So you're, like, seeing, like, 
animals fighting each other is really graphic. Um, now, in terms of performances, going back to Timon and Pumbaa, they definitely steal the show for me. Uh, the the jungle that they live in is breathtaking. That the jungle that they created for this film is just something else. Um, I think Beyonce was kick ass. They also added a bit to Nala in this movie. They gave Nala a little bit more of a leadership role. Um, not like an been, Disney's been doing that a lot with a lot of their female roles. They mm-hmm. they continued that. Uh, the last time it was Jasmine. In Aladdin. Well, I think that they they pulled in Nala's, like, this new version of Nala from the, uh, I know that he was inspired yeah, from, from, the, from the, the musical. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, there was a rumor floating around <laughs> when they were making the movie that they were going to add a song from the musical. Oh, God. He lives in you. Yeah, they, they, there was a whole thing where they were going to add He Lives in You. And I was very excited to hear it because that's literally my favorite song in the entire soundtrack and probably one of my favorite songs, like one of my favorite Broadway songs of all time, probably. And uh, they didn't, but it's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, Spirit is great. Spirit's a great song. Leela, you Okay. So this whole time, Leela is... So we have a couch in this room. And Leela has been kicking up... He, like, she's just pissed off. Because right now, it is it is night, it is night night time, right? And she just likes to yell at us when it's time for us to go to bed, according to her. So she bullies us into bed. So she'll literally... She's gone for now, but she'll come back in a few minutes to bark at us and be like, It's time for bed! Go to bed! And she literally just came onto the couch and just, like, kicked up one of these pillows as if to say, like, fuck this couch, fuck this pillow, fuck you guys, I'm going under the bed, I'll be back in five minutes to wonder where you at. So that's that, that all just happened right now. But I guess what are some final words that you'd like to share? Because I feel like, you know, what regardless of what your decision is on making on watching this film, regardless of your feelings on the original, don't listen to the critics. Give it watch, a chance. Give Go it watch. a chance. Honestly, if you're a huge hardcore fan like everyone is of the original, there's no reason why you shouldn't go and see this movie. It's obviously the it's going to end the same exact way. <laughs> Sorry to spoil that for you. But it's it's a good movie. It really is a good movie. And it's a movie that when it comes out, I'm planning... Well, I'm planning on getting Disney Plus mm-hmm. when that happens. So there's no need to buy movies anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some like deleted scenes or something because um, I'm sure that this movie is definitely going to have something. Yeah, like bonus features yeah. of some sort. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Also, just to, just to like, close it out, like, again, go at it with an open mind. I will be, I will say I was really surprised. We saw this movie on a Saturday afternoon knowing full well that we were going to share the, the theater with a bunch of kids and damn kids but you know what the kids were excellent considering it's a long movie considering that it's but it's lion king 
It's like it doesn't thing. matter. It was no, we've seen Toy Story and then and there were kids just like like you know what kids do, which is please acceptable. Be, please it's fine. be a good parent and take your kids to the movies only if they're ready to be only if they're ready to go to the movies. Okay, fine. Yes, but still, I I'm just saying that it was a very gripping movie, and even and no matter what, we saw kids of all ages, and they all did really well watching it. Because I don't know, maybe it was the shock of seeing an animal die on screen, but they were all pretty chill and gripped by it. And to see a bunch of kids kind of fall in love with this movie the way that we all fell in love with the original was really cool to see for me. And um, and, and 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 whatever, just just watch the movie and and chill. You're going to have a good time, and it's not going to be the exact same version that you know and love, but it shouldn't either. It shouldn't be that. I thought, I thought it was great. You're just hoping that people end up loving this so much that Disney decides to make a one-and-a-half movie. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I would that, love a full movie we'll just another, with we'll Seth get, Rogen and Billy Eichner. We'll get another Aladdin Aladdin 2. Aladdin 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> no, Aladdin, <laughs> King of Thieves. No, it's the one with That's Jafar. That's the third one. No, it's Return the, of Jafar. Return of Jafar. Yes, Jaf- Return of Jafar. Just for the record, the Disney straight to straight to VHS movies don't matter as much as the ones that, that were in Oh, yeah, theaters. that's a whole other... Listen, don't you dare. No, I'm going to stand by that. No, no, because... I'm going to stand by that. No, no, because the Beauty and the Beast Christmas special was amazing. It had great songs in it, too. Oh, my. How dare you talk about Lion King one and a half as if it meant nothing? <laughs> it means something, okay? And... There are certain movies that made it to, that went straight to VHS, but that was Disney's fault. Okay, it wasn't like and because Return it, and Return of Jafar was badass. Actually, I think it did go into theaters. Didn't Return of Jafar go to? No, it didn't. No, I know for sure. Prince of Thieves or King of Thieves didn't. No, There's, the same thing goes for um, for the Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid or, 2 was really cute. I, I, those don't matter. Okay, they just because you didn't see them doesn't mean... They don't matter. Just because you didn't see them doesn't mean they don't matter. How dare you? You call yourself a Disney fan. I, I you only am care. a Disney fan. No, you're a bandwagon. No, no, no. You're I'm, a bandwagon. No, I'm a Disney fan if I can watch it in theaters. Uh, like oh! How, like how a movie should be enjoyed. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, sure. Okay, awesome. Wow. So the original Tron... You saw that in theaters? I wasn't born. Well, then why do you care about it? Why do you care? You didn't see it in theaters? <laughs> I mean, technically, I no, didn't. You, you're right. I wasn't born. You weren't born. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It only matters if you watch it in theaters. You privileged <laughs> asshole. I mean, that's how a movie should be enjoyed. Like, it is what it is. But, so you're saying that because they weren't released in theaters, they they weren't good movies? I'm saying <laughs> that Disney didn't believe that they were good movies because they were never released in theaters. But that's, okay, whatever, but... They weren't but good the movie, enough. Yes, they were great. They weren't good enough. They were enough. great. Listen, but not they, good enough. No. The truth is that the, that the structure that Disney had at the time didn't support putting sequels into theaters. 
this now in today's age there's a million sequels because they will put as much money and emphasis and marketing into getting people's butts in the seats to watch the second one if frozen had come out in 1996 frozen 2 would be coming out on vhs no matter how big a movie it was no i disagree yes it would it would just like just the little mermaid just well, like fucking snow white well, snow no no I th- I th- no no i think you're i think you're right about it being being the time frame of it being 1996 because like in reality when frozen was released it was different of its time because of the fact that there's no male protagonist to like save the damsel in distress and you know just having that whole sisterhood being the love that was needed to like continue the story and like save the town. Look, I'll tell but you right now. It's. I think I get I get you. We can get on a whole thing about male protagonists in in Disney films, mm-hmm. but going back to like The Little Mermaid, the male protagonist in that film does nothing. I, he yo, is I will, the I, worst I, I will I will agree with you he, on that. He's I mean, literally just a useless character that means nothing. Yeah, Prince Eric really is garbage. He, is, he really is trash. He's, he's trash. He's, I mean, like, dude, come on, for real? You're so all because you hear one girl sing, you automatically ignore the deaf girl that you've been <laughs> dating for like. A few weeks. She's not deaf. No, well, she's she, mute. Well, she's I don't mute. know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Dude, it's it's just fucked up in general. Like you're obviously investing <laughs> oh so God. much time, and you're teaching this girl how to not use a fork through her hair. Like, that well, that that is a weird thing, though. Like, if I was to see that shit, I'd be like, yo, I'm gonna like find a reason to break up with you. Well, they. Listen, Prince Eric is trash. Prince Charming, right? That Prince Charming is Snow White's. With Snow White. Trash. Prin- no, he didn't do anything. All he did was kiss her and wake her up. That's all he did. Right. So what's... He's trash. But at why? least he did something. He woke her up. And then Prince Philip, he at least fought a dragon. Oh, yeah. He fought From a dragon Aurora. and went through, yeah. like, the Castle of Thorns and then kissed her. Yeah, yeah. If anything, he's, he's kind of a bad Yeah, yeah, He did fine. But he's still trash. And, but Prince Eric is absolutely the worst. And that movie did come out in, like, what, 1989, 1990? Which one? Little Mermaid? Yeah. I think it came out in 89, right? Oh, because that was baby. But you know what? Oh, did you see it in theaters? Did you see The Little Mermaid in theaters? I think I did. Oh, you think you did. Oh, so you're saying that because you can't remember if you saw it in theaters, it wasn't worth your time? You're right. I should go and interrogate my mom right now. You should. As to why she didn't take me to go see The Little Mermaid No, I'm not asking. I don't care if you did. I'm just wondering because you, 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 you classify it as a good Disney movie, but you're saying that only those that you saw in theaters are worth your time. Did you watch The Little Mermaid? Because you were yeah. like a year and change. Yeah. Like, I doubt you saw it because Eric was born, your brother, shortly thereafter, and there's no way your mom took you and a newborn to watch The Little Mermaid. You don't know that. Unless, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. I am, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. She probably did take you, but do you remember watching the film? Yeah. You do in great detail? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Like, are you asking me to recite the movie? That'd be great. We still have ten more minutes. 
But I'm willing to spare on that. I mean, don't you think I've already seen The Little Mermaid multiple times? I'm sure you have, but I'm sure you still can't recite the film. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, on that note... Thank you guys for joining. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. I know that we took a sharp left around, <laughs> you know, but you know, um, that's really what Baby Lambs is all about. It's uh, it we just we are try- we have a good time. Um, so I want to thank Gabe for um, for for participating in today's episode. Thank you, Gabe. Sure. Your opinions are wrong, but thank you so much for 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 sharing them with us. I can't wait to hear all the hate, man. <laughs> um, so, Lisette will be back. Uh, we will be recording our last um, episode of the season, if you will, where we are going to go over the series, or sorry, the season finale of Big Little Lies. That'll be coming out this Friday. And I feel like we're also going to touch on quite a bit of San Diego Comic-Con. So stay tuned for that. We'll definitely be promoting that. If you haven't done so already, please, you know, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, or Baby Lambs Podcast or Baby Lambs PCast, depending on the medium. Uh, if you want to contribute and help us continue to build this uh, enterprise, if you will, you can always visit our Patreon page. It's in our link tree. If you visit our Instagram, but we're also just Baby Lambs Podcast, you can find us there. Any little bit counts. We really do appreciate all of your support and we appreciate all the new listeners that we've acquired. Um, so thank you guys for supporting and it's it's this is such a, a pleasure and, and great thing that we do here. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for the end of this week where you will be hearing us for the last time for a couple of weeks. We're going to take a little bit of a break. So don't, so don't miss out on, on, on letting us know what you think. If you saw the Lion King, let me know what you think. Write it, write us, especially in our Instagram, write us there, DM us. If you agree, disagree, whatever, we're here for it. Okay. But yeah, thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you next week. So what we do, if since you listen to so many of our episodes, Gabe, is at the end of the episode, we all say bye together, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to say bye, all right? So you ready? Stop the giggles, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. One, two, three. Bye. bye. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Baby Lambs podcast. Artwork created by Janabel Art. You can follow her on Instagram at Janabel Art, or you can follow her studio at Studio Nami Tattoo. Music created by Daniel LaCosta and produced by Sunset Studios Miami. You can follow them on their Instagram at Sunset Studios Miami. And you can follow us on Instagram via our handle at Baby Lambs Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Baby Lambs PCAST or Baby Lambs Podcast. You can find us now on iTunes and Google Play yeah. and even on CastBox, which is actually a really cool app. Also by finding us via our handle, Baby Lambs Podcast, or by visiting our website at babylambspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>